Thank you. So welcome to Resurrecting Our Freedom. We have a special guest, and uh, this person is near to dear, near and dear to my heart. He's my very good friend. Um, he runs a radio program called The Connection, which Skippy just said has over 100,000 listeners on a daily basis. He also pastors, is the lead pastor, the founding pastor of the fastest growing church in America. At one church, time. At one time, right? And um, he now wrote a book, uh, just recently actually wrote many books. Uh, His latest book. Serial uh, multi-best-selling author, if I remember right, Skip, is that correct? I've written a lot of books, and Doug, you'll remember this one, The Bible from 30,000 Feet. Yep, I actually have that book. We did that at Ocean Hills. Yes, we did. I was pastoring there. And then this book is Biography of God, which is brand new. There you go. So, the bio, um, Biology of God. Biography. Biography of God. And uh, Skip Heitzig, uh, welcome. This is my good friend, handsome young friend right here. His name is Dr. Fred Domenico, And I am That's Dr. Douglas DeSiena. You have to have your uh, name and the Naval to be our guest, but we're going to make an exception for you today. That's so welcome, answer. Skip, to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. And um, what we really want to talk about today is what's going on in the current events with mostly our freedoms and why we are losing our freedoms. And as we talked off camera, why we believe that the Christian community should be taking the lead onto the resurrecting of our freedom. Hmm. Okay, well, let's have at it. Yes, let's go. <laughs> so tell us what you're working on. Tell us about the why you wrote the book, and then just try to merge it on to uh, where we're at in terms of today's current events. Well, uh, I pastored a church. I came from Southern California. I moved originally. I moved from Huntington Beach to Albuquerque. I re I, then I came back to uh, California for a period of time in South Orange County, where I uh, pastored a church, Ocean Hills, as well as helped Chuck Smith out at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. Then I moved back here to uh, Albuquerque to resume uh, this post. But I, I've written a bunch of books, 20 or 30 books, but I wrote this book specifically for the skeptic in mind, uh, the person who might say, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a God, but how do I know for sure? And then I want to take the person who is a skeptic into possibly being a seeker and then from seeker to a saint. So I kind of cover all three groups. But I begin with just how do we even know that God exists? What are the evidences of that? And I try to bring a person along to that, to the revelation of who God is. Because I don't want to assume that everybody believes in the Bible. Because you say, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. That's a non-starter for a lot of people. They don't care what the Bible says because they don't believe the Bible has any authority. So... I sort of begin with that, and then I move onward. Well, I would love to know how you take people through that journey. So where do you start with someone who may not be a believer? Well, there's, there's a number of kind of, let's call them philosophical reasonings. Uh, one is, is the argument from design. Um, you know, there's an old saying that says, if there, if there is a thought, there must be a preceding thinker. And, if, and, and, and so when you see something that looks designed, you can say, where did that come from? You can say, well, it just happened over thousands or millions or billions of years. Or there, there's evidence that there's design to it. 
So, um, you know, without getting into the whole deep weeds of the notion of that teleological argument, um, uh, there, there's one of the things is called irreducible complexity. Irreducible complexity means um, you have a certain number of things that make an item work. If you remove any one of those things, it won't work. So a mousetrap has irreducible complexity, right? It has a, has a platform, has a little spring, has a little hook. It has different items, but if you take any one of those things away from the mousetrap, it's not gonna operate. It needs all of those things. That's irreducible complexity. Right, that's what irreducible is, right? You can't take anything out. <laughs> you can't take it anyway. So the eye is, is a good example. The eye, Michael Behe shows in his book, has irreducible complexity. You can't take any of the things away and have the creature see. Right. So if you're an evolutionist, you have a real problem because what you mean, what you have to say is it took billions of years before a creature could have the ability to see. How did it manage if it's going to it's, it's get gobbled up by survival of the fittest, by some stronger entity? So you can't explain life given the notion of irreducible complexity, which is under the idea of design. So that's one of the reasons. Des a design shows it as a designer. Skip, can I hold you? Can I hold you right there? So he's a chiropractor as well. So that's one of the things that we preach because you know years back people would just take out people's tonsils and their appendix as needless organs. Yeah. And so it's you're explaining a concept which is actually based in deductive reasoning is we are designed with intention and purpose. It's not right, a mistake. Right. right. There are. And, and yeah, so you, what you're saying is there's no vestigial organs. Every organ, every piece of the body has a purpose, has a design. Right. We may not be aware of it. And because we're not aware of it, we can't have so much hubris because we don't know what it's for to say that's not designed to be there. Right. Exactly. So go ahead. So yeah, that's, that's one, one of the things is, is, the, is the argument of design. Um, there are several of them. I give several of them. But another one that is, is called the moral law. And the moral law is what won people over, um, um, like the, the head of the Human Genome Project, uh, Dr. Francis Collins, who was an evolutionist, didn't believe in God, uh, but had patients that he treated, and they were Christians, and he was trying to figure out why did these people believe in God, and, and so he kind of did a little bit of study. But the thing that finally won him over was called the moral argument. The moral argument, according to C.S. Lewis, is that everybody has the notion within them, a God-given notion of good and evil, of right and wrong. And so the question is, where did that come from? Um, yeah, it can change depending on what part of the world you're from. But when an unbeliever says things like, how can you believe in God? The world is so evil. You stop them right there and go, wait a minute. Where did you get the notion of evil? Why would you call something wrong or evil unless you had a previous notion of some greater good? And then where did you get that greater good? So the, the difficult uh, problem that uh, unbelievers have is that if you say God doesn't exist, how did the world ever come to believe with all of the suffering that exists on earth? How did the vast majority of the world ever come to believe in a good and loving God in the midst of all that evil. Well, yeah, you have to have contrast. You can't know one thing without knowing its opposite. Right. So, so it's like a class. So if you, 
if you go into a class uh, and we all take a test and I get a 40% on the, on the test and um, uh, you get uh, 80% on the test and Doug, he's a straight A student, he gets a 95%. <laughs> How'd you know? It's only because there's a real standard of 100%. So there's, there's a previous standard by which everything else is compared. So that's, that's in part the moral argument. So it's a reference point, as you're saying. There has to be a beingness or a consciousness or a divinity in order for anything else to exist. Right. Love that. Nice. Cool. So, so then you get these people, um, you know, I guess that, that certainly will stimulate thought, right? And then, uh, you know, another thing I'm curious, this may deviate from the topic a bit, but you had one of the fast-growing churches. You said you came down here in South Orange County. Now, did that start your own church, or did you get in someone else's church? And is that where you really started your mission, so to speak, and grew the fastest-growing church? No, I came to Albuquerque and started a little Bible study. When I moved from Huntington Beach in 1982, we started it here and got married to Lenya. We started a Bible study, and then it grew into a church. Uh, my background was in radiology, and so I worked at a local hospital, had an office across the street from the hospital at the time, did a Bible study on the side. It just sort of mushroomed, grew large, and really at the pinnacle of success is when I got a call from Chuck Smith down the street from you at Costa Mesa, who asked me to come and help him out. And, uh, and to be a part of that. And so um, at the same time, I got a call from Ocean Hills. They were looking for a senior pastor. And so I told Chuck, why don't I take over this church in South Orange County and then just help you out on Sunday nights in, in uh, Costa Mesa? So that's what I did. And, uh, that, and Ocean Hills grew. I mean, we, um, I think when I, I came there, the first, they, had like, they were on like 400 a week. And I think the first week we got in there, we were at over 3,000. So it just it grew. It didn't stay that way at first. It kind of took a while to build back up again. But when I left, I think we, we were at like 3,700 people. Skip, remember, we, we had to have uh, San Juan police escort people in and out because it got so crazy crowded that we had uh, assistance on just getting people in and out of the uh, church. Yeah, crazy. Crazy so, growth. Well, and that also, I mean, you come in there and you have that growth that fast. Like, so obviously your message was very compelling and if you want to say contagious, certainly spawned something in people that made them bring people from everywhere. So what I'm just also curious, how did you get into this? Like, was there something that happened in your life? Was it, what was that divine calling that even brought you into this? You're a radiologist and then you end up in this life. I had a good example. I had a good pastor. I, he made serving God fun, and fun was always a big part of my worldview. You know, um, whatever we do, let's let's have fun in doing it. So, for instance, we have a church campus here that's a beautiful campus. We have a world-class skate park uh, uh, on campus. We have a frisbee golf course on campus. Um, you know, we have, we, have, we, have, we have sort of a beautiful atmosphere around here because I want people to come and 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 do what they do with their families and rejoice that God made us to enjoy himself and to enjoy life. Not that it's all about pleasure, but why not add a little fun to the mix? So that's sort of been a big part of my idea, I guess, in leadership. 
Skip, I, there's one thing, the takeaway I have from our friendship, uh, because I served in some churches before Ocean Hills with you, and one of the things that I try to bring into everything I do now um, is to make sure that we have fun. One thing I take away from you, Skip, is, is it was so refreshing to see a pastor, a success, ultra successful pastor like you are, to bring joy and fun. Like so many times you go to church, it's like, it's, it's sorrow. Brilliance it's, is in the simplicity, isn't man, it? Why not worship and have fun? And that's, <laughs> it doesn't get much easier than that, you think? It's, hey, it's, if it's fun, maybe I'll like God. I don't know. Let me look into Let me read that book and see. <laughs> You know, I grew up Catholic, and so we had a lot That's of not fun. <laughs> so did I. How many people say that was not any fun? How many people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what movie is that? I forget that. Um, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, you know, God created us to enjoy Him, and I think that there's there's absolutely no reason why Christians shouldn't be filled with joy. Exactly. Well, that's really that. the message, right? Isn't that really the, the heart of the message, so to speak? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. So um, uh, Let's have fun while we're here. My past. He's reforming me and transforming me in my future, uh, in my present, and I've got a future ahead of me. So what, what am I belly aching about? Love that. Yeah, awesome. Can so we got a lot of inch. What's that? I was like, I would just like to go to the current events. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That's where I was going. So, Skip. We, we want to tr move forward. I, I happen to notice you in the Rose Garden. Um, you were invited by our president to partake in that ceremony. Yep. So congratulations. That's an honor uh, for you. I saw you were sitting near Franklin Graham was there as well. So we had yeah. everybody around me was getting COVID. I, 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 I was exempt, but everybody was coming, bombing like flies. But you're in the God bubble. <laughs> God knew to protect you. So what are you doing in your church? And I, I, I don't know, we haven't talked about this, but I'm hoping uh, you're moving your church in a direction that's away from fear. Um, so is your church open? Uh, church is open. So were you, were, were you always open? Tell us the story about once this COVID virus started coming out, what did you do? And what how was your did, message and inspiration? There you go, that's a great question, Fred. So, you know, at first, um, nobody really knew what was going on and the whole world was caught off guard. Everybody was shutting down. And of course, when you don't know what something is, you know, you, you put a hold on it and you, you try to figure it out. Well, um, I was hot, put it this way. I'm a skeptic also. I like to have fun, but I'm skeptical. So when people tell me that the sky is falling, I, I don't always believe it. And I felt there was a narrative in this where everybody's saying the sky is falling, we're all going to die. Even listening to Joe Biden last night, um, it was like a doom and gloom scenario of we're all going to wear masks and we're having a dark, cold, deadly winter and everybody's going to die. And it's like, I don't want you being my leader. You know, give me the virus, you know, if that's what it takes. I'm not, I told my church last week, I'm not afraid of it. I didn't get it. I've been tested three times. I haven't had it, but I'm not afraid of it. If I get it, I really am not. I know people who have gotten it and most people are going to get over it. It's very, 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 very slim chance that you would ever die of it. You have a 99.999% chance of surviving it. So I don't know why you shut the world down over that. Um, 
At the same time, I understand not everybody's on that page. Some people are fearful. So the church must always operate on the basis of its weakest member. That's part of what Paul wrote to the book of Romans, to consider and love those who are the weaker brother. So there are some people who go, oh, I could never leave my house or come back to church without a hazmat suit. Okay, stay home and watch us online. We love you. We care about you. We'll make phone calls to you. We'll bring food to you if you need it. But I'm telling you, you don't need to be afraid. You can come. The church is open. I've been traveling around the country, the world. I've been on the Navajo Reservation where there was an outbreak. I've hugged people. I've laid hands on people. I'm not saying I'm immune or that I can't get sick. I might get sick, but I'm still not afraid of it. Nice. So we have, we're allowed 40% occupancy in the building. Um, the, the governor has called me for advice on how to open up our state. She's not a Republican. She's a Democratic governor. I don't agree with her politics. And they may try to shut us down. I mean, there's... Do you tell her that, that you don't agree with her politics? What's that? Do you tell her that when you're talking yeah, to her? Yeah, of course. I mean, I tell her, I, I told her assistant, because I'm on the phone with her. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a Democrat. I don't agree with her. I mean, they know we're evangelicals. They're not dumb. And yeah. They follow the social media, too. So she knows I was in the Rose Garden. And, um, and that well, that's still pretty place. awesome that she respects you enough to call you. Well, we're the largest evangelical church in the state. So when, when they're making policy for houses of worship, they're kind of trying to get a read on it, right? And one of the things they said is, okay, we're going to let you guys open. This is when we first opened. She said, we're going to let you open at 10%. I said, you might as well not let us open at all. 10% is nothing. That's nobody. I mean, why, why should I bring my staff here for 10% occupancy? If you make it 25%, we can live with that. So she said, okay, I'm going to do it. But she said, you can't sing. I said, well, with all due respect, I understand where you're coming from. But <laughs> when, when the government tells a Christian how to do church, um, that's, uh, you're overstepping your bounds. Yeah. Um, you, you can tell us not to sing, but, you know, the Constitution allows the government nothing in terms of church liturgy. So yeah. we're going to sing. And I'm nice. not going to tell people not to sing. I can tell people to distance. I can spread people around. And I find people feel comfortable with that. They're actually happy. Some of the more fearful ones are happy that we're doing that because it just shows that they're con we're concerned about them. But I don't really see a need for it. I don't think wearing a mask really is helpful. We talk about science. Um, when people say we got to follow the science, I always say, who's science? Right. Because science changes. Science changes with facts. And the more facts you get, your, your approach changes. And the facts are not in on this. There's a whole num number of things we don't understand about this virus. But um, Can I interrupt you real quick, Skip? Because I want to, first of all, I want to give you accolades. Because when you talk to people in the general public, I mean, we're doctors. And you ask people a question, they say, well, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, well, you're a human being that's letting someone else determine your life. So I just want to take my metaphorical hat off to you because you're not a doctor, but you take responsibility to lead people and you do your homework. Yeah. You know, and so it's amazing how many people say, well, I'm not a doctor, so they don't take responsibility. So sorry to interrupt. 
I just want to give you accolades, man, that you do your homework, you pay attention, and you take that leadership responsibility role. So thank you. I, I hope that more people that aren't doctors do that. So listen, they're, we're, they're, we have a good relationship right now with the government, they're, but they're looking closely. Um, when I went to Washington, D.C. and came back, just because I was exposed, uh, OSHA, we all know who OSHA is, um, they, and, and they came and they said that I had, to, I had to be quarantined, even though I tested negative for 14 days. And even though um, uh, I, I tried to argue with them, one thing our lawyer said is, you don't want to argue with OSHA. OSHA can shut you down. Right. So um, it's no problem. I had other people who could preach for me, and I took my Airstream and just kind of hung out for a few days nice. in, uh, in a campground. But uh, uh, there, there could come a point where our, govern, our government might say, um, you know, you, you guys can't meet any longer, and I don't know that I'm going to go along with that. Here's the problem. It's, it's not just... You know, the church can't just say, well, this is persecution against the Christian. Well, if that were true, then they, they would be saying that, that, that theaters can open, sporting events can open, but churches can't open. Now, that would be persecution. That would be discrimination. But they're just politicizing it more than spiritualizing it. You see it as a political bludgeon. And, and the whole mask, not mask, opening, not opening, is really become a right and left talking point. And um, it's almost hard to get real science into that because of the political lenses that people are viewing this through. I mean, a lot of the doctors who have said, don't worry about this thing, have been silenced. They've been edited. They've been cut out of the public square. It's unfortunate, you know, because I thought we were rational people. I thought we could talk about these things and disagree and, and come to something at the end of the day. But, but um, uh, it, it's unfortunately not that way. Skip, have you seen the Barrington? Um, yes, report? I, I have and I posted it. Perfect. Yeah, I posted it on my social media. Yeah, so you're talking report. some of the yeah. top epidemiologist in the world that talks Correct. about it. So uh, we have, so, well, my, my personal uh, purpose in this whole podcasting and why we need to go public is because I, I work with a group called Lore's House, and I, I don't know if you remember them. Uh, they're in Orange County, and they take care of battered women. Oh, since yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, since the lockdown skip, they are overwhelmed with women being abused and battered. And I work with these women and my heart bleeds for them. I also uh, work with a nonprofit that started in my office, it's called Bud's Odyssey, and we take care of vets and first, re first responders. And uh, these people, the amount of suicidality right now in veterans and first responders is skyrocketing. We're at a point now where one in five pre-adolescent girls are hurting themselves. This pandemic that's, we call it a pandemic, I'm not even sure if the science can support that. But Skip, uh, the church can't close because in the absence of a church, where people go? And uh, there are people hurting, not because of the virus, but they're hurting because Collateral of- damage. 
collateral damage. And uh, it saddens me. And uh, I love that our president said church is essential. I completely agree with that. And when we opened up and a lot of churches stayed closed, a lot of people from those churches came to our church and just said, we need fellowship. We need people. We need to hear truth. We need to get out of our, listen, lockdowns don't work. Even the World Health Organization recently said, you know, it's like, it's about time. You should have told us that six months ago, but they finally said it doesn't work. It, it, because even countries in Europe where they're locking down, they're still seeing a spike in the midst of the lockdown. Right. So it's, that's not helping. It. And given the fact that most people, comorbidities aside, are going to be fine with this thing, you don't shut the society down because of that. They've shut everything down. And unfortunately, what that's going to yield itself to is when the government has that kind of control and they figure out they can control people by fear, they're going to keep reinforcing fear into their lives. You're going to have Joe Biden say, you know, dark, cold winter, more people dead. And it's like, really? I mean, it's, 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 it's the worst possible message you could give. Yeah, last night he said 200,000 people are going to die in the next two months. It's like, yeah. where did you come up with that, man? That is, that is, uh, came out of your, your imagination. But anyway, so, um, I mean, I guess I don't really want to identify believers, non-believers. How do you see people, faith-driven people, standing up, making a difference, being an example to the people that do have fear and your message in your congregation? I, I want to reinforce that God loves them. I'm going to reinforce that no matter who you are or how you treat this, we're going to figure out a way to minister to you if you let us. Uh, we still see an enormous amount of people watch online, uh, and that's because of the fear. Um, fear works. Listen, fear fear is a motivator, and, 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 and people know it. And so I got to do is say something, and they'll keep, they'll go, the sky is falling. There's really no good medical evidence that that little mask that I wear is going to do any good. Um, unless it's perfectly sealed and it's got the right filter and all that stuff. And, 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 and yet it's, it's almost like we're living in medieval times. You know, you wear an amulet around your neck so you feel safe from the evil spirits. You wear a mask on your face so you feel safe. And people go, oh, good, you're wearing a mask. Really, that's all it is. It's, it's, it's virtue signaling uh, more than, than virtuous I was going to say, Italians put a little pepper from their rearview mirror in their car. <laughs> That's what the Italian horn is, man. I used to wear one in my shirt even more open than it is now, back in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, a little so, pepper. So, and, and I just want to, re you know, people see me out and talking to people. I, I just want them to see that. And I keep reinforcing the message of, of no fear, of not being afraid, of God's in control. And... Um, and, and I just keep pressing on. That's that's really sweet. I, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about this death thing that since you brought it up about uh, our ex-vice president talked about it. A study just came out yesterday, Skip. I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, Florida Surgeon General uh, is now going back and researching all of the recent quote-unquote COVID deaths because over half of the COVID deaths that occurred in Florida that they're gonna research, the last time a person tested positive was three months prior. 
So they just happened to have a random test, not even recently as they went to the hospital, but they searched back their medical history to see if somebody in the past had a positive COVID test. They weren't sick from it. They just happened to have a positive test. And somewhere subsequent to that, if they went to the hospital for a heart attack, they're calling that a COVID death. So the Surgeon General is now going back and looking at all the records because he's saw one particular county and I, and I can let you assume which, if it was a red or blue county, but I'll let you assume that. But they went back to look at, look at that county because almost half of the deaths in the entire state of Florida were in one county. So anyway, we're seeing now that some of these numbers... Oh, the stats are tainted. We can't even trust the stats, according to the Surgeon General from the state of Florida. We have, I have numerous people in our church in the healthcare profession who have come to me and said they have seen COVID positive tests from people who weren't even tested at all. Right. So, so there's a lot of that. And, and now we know the truth. Now we know it's only this many, 6%. 6% the CD said of all those that were reported as COVID deaths, only 6% of the people actually died from COVID alone. Right. The rest of them were dying from something else. Right. Could they have been complications with the COVID? Sure, no doubt, but they didn't die of it. 6% of those 225,000 people, only 6% died. So it's a very, very small amount. Of course, one death is too many, but you know, what other disease gets a counter? Every time you look at your phone or your computer, it's telling you how many people died. What if you did that with auto accidents? You'd never get in a car again. What if you did that with cigarette smoking? You'd never, what if they did it with heart disease? Heart disease is far more deadly than any COVID. 50% of the American public dies of heart disease. But I guess if I were, if I were a disease right now, I'd feel cheated because COVID's getting all the press, but people are dying of everything else. Amazing. So yeah. Hey, I really appreciate your purpose and your message. And you know, what, what stands out with me the most is you're totally accepting of everybody's perspective, which means you see unity. I mean, it's truly God's message. You see unity and unconditional love and joy in every person. And you accept them where they're at and you help meet them where they're at. and You help them meet their emotional, spiritual needs where they're at. And I have no doubt that's why you have so many people that are listening and inspired by your message and making a true difference in their life. Those are God's principles. I appreciate hearing that. Thanks so much. Yes. I have this one more thing. Uh, Skip, uh, we're frustrated to some degree that uh, we had to drive all the way to San Diego to go to a church that was open just last weekend. It was last weekend, right? Yes. And it was amazing. It was, it was, the spirit was there. It was, people were worshiping and singing and... And joyful. It was awesome. It was, uh, because our church in Orange County is my church is, that I have been attending is still closed, Skip. You have to make a reservation to go to church, and you may or may not get in, and I have yet to be in. So that's oh that's what it's what. So oh my God, can you oh. meet inside in Cali? You can't even meet inside. Can right, you? it's 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 stupid. It's it's crazy. It doesn't work. And so we drove to San Diego, and what we want to do is we also want to get in touch with the Christian community, and um, we want to get pastors to be kind of where you're at. 
So how, how can we go about that so that we can get more pastors on board with where you're at and your state of mind so we can see churches open and uh, take care of the flock, so to speak? Well, yeah, I, that's a hard one because um, most pastors are going to be listening to their own elders, their own leaders, and they're, they're not just like, um, you know, Captain Hook you know, running the ship on there. They have a group of people around them that help forge those policies, polities, and decisions. So, so it's not easy necessarily to get them to sign on to that. But um, there's churches I know of in Orange County that are meeting in a tent or meeting in their parking structure. Uh, my friend Greg Laurie is meeting in a tent in Riverside, outdoor, kind of indoor-outdoor, but it's acceptable and people feel, uh, I've seen the pictures, it looks really great. Uh, and, and also in Newport Beach, uh, where they're at, uh, in their parking structure, they're meeting. I don't know what they're going to do when it gets colder, uh, but um, they're doing that right now. But it is Southern California, so it's not that much colder. <laughs> true. That's true. They might need a sweater. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. So the hey, saddest Bell- thing, one of the saddest things is Disneyland is not open. I know. But Disney World in Florida is open. Every other Disney is open except for the mothership, so to speak, the OG. Yeah, if I were if I were Mickey, I'd get out of town. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so our governor, you got to hear this. Our governor uh, just told us what the rules are for Thanksgiving. You can have two families. It has to be outside, and you can only go in at, to go to the bathroom. Other than that, you have to stay outside. So two families... And uh, you can't go inside. You can't stay inside. Yeah, Italians are not going to follow that. By the way, no, I don't. I don't. I was just going to say, I don't know anybody who's going to really follow. That. Yeah, no, I didn't even know it was a rule. And he also made a rule in church when you're worshiping in church. So he said that you can sing, but you can sing at a voice that's lower than your talking voice. <laughs> yeah, so, all those things are ridiculous. So a rule for even how well or how you can sing. Well, for Italians, that's easy. Because their talking voice is so loud. Yeah, how you, right. Plus, why do we sing when we're eating a big turkey leg and some uh, raviolis and stuff? So I got to need to sing. I need to eat all this great food. <laughs> so, so tell us about your book. Let's uh, wrap this up. I really appreciate, again, who you are and all the things you're doing. Tell us about your book a little more and where people can get it. They can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. It's just called Biography of God. Um, it, it, um, there was a book years ago that I read called Knowing God by J.I. Packer, and it really made an impact on my life. So this is sort of a newer idea of that. I sort of put on my J.I. Packer hat when I wrote this book, but I didn't write it necessarily just for people who believe in God. I showed them my journey of how I, I went from a skeptical kid, went through the religious route, of Catholicism, but then I rebelled against believing in God because of my, uh, my studies, my college, my medical background. And then I came to faith in the biblical God because of the evidence. So I guess you're, that's your own life experience of how you went in sense of you calling an unbeliever into a believer, right? So you know those steps because you lived them. And I believe it's the most rational worldview to hold is to believe in God. I think it takes more faith, given the evidence, it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. 
Nice. Nice. Yeah, well, that's biography, biography of God and uh, Skip Heitzig. Hey, spell, spell your name, H-E-I. There you go. Yeah, that stuff. Oh, there you there go. You go. There's a close-up. <laughs> H-E-I-T-Z-I-G. Nice. There it is. And go to Amazon and get that book. So, hey, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we really appreciate your purpose, your message. And obviously, you're inspiring people all over the world and building faith and bringing their having them get in touch with who God created them to be. I look forward to our relationship. And, and this is this is for Doug. This is for Doug. Doug, you know you've arrived when you have your own bobblehead. Nice. <laughs> that was really On a motorcycle. I'll, I'll have to look for uh, somebody to make me one. Now so. I know what to get him for Christmas. <laughs> there you go. That's a good Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So hey, what a trip! And uh, that was a, that was an awesome interview with Skip Heitzig. You know, we were just talking about how impressive that was. He goes to church and he just the thing grows ten times overnight. Like you can imagine the message and the delivery and the inspiration, and how what he's doing and saying must just enlighten the hearts of people. I know I want to follow him after that interview. I'm going to go check him out online. And I, I love the one thing he said, if you're going to do it, you might as well have fun and be filled with joy in doing it. And I think that's part of his gift is to bring joy and the fun into the act of church, to remove religiosity and infuse the church with fun and joy. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Well, yeah, the words that we're talking about in the interview, right? He was raised Catholic, banging your head against the wall. I mean, we, I'd have to go to church every Sunday. I mean, we didn't, I think there was maybe two Sundays I missed in 18 years. And then I moved out, went to college, no church. I'm not going back, right? God, that was not fun. So what? A, what it's amazing how brilliance is in the simplicity. Right, right. And that's really God's message, right? That's joy, right. have a joyful heart. Right. So, so I appreciate that. And I also love that you have a leader of a community and he's aware of the science he is really thoughtful and um, takes he, responsibility he as a leader. As a leader, and those are reasons why his church is full, and people, like you said, are come from other churches that are still shut down, and they're going to his church. Yeah, that's awesome. And he still ministers to people. They still lay hands on people, even in the midst of this, whatever we call this virus. And um, so, I hats off to him for all yeah. that he does. It's called faith. It is called faith. <laughs> nice. Cool. Thanks. Hey, wait till the next one. We've got another great pastor coming on, another world-class dude, and other guests, scientists, doctors, pastors, and other great leaders. So stay tuned, share, ring the bell, ding, Give ding, me a thumbs ding, up. right? Make comments, and uh, we thank you for your loyalty. Peace.